Coaches, what is up? Thank you for tuning in to episode 20. Hard to believe. Uh, Episode 20 of KYPD, an episode that I have been looking forward to for a long time. Most of you know that I have been the defensive line coach here at Kerrville Tyvee High School in Kerrville, Texas for uh, the past six years. Uh, But many of you may or may not know that at the end of July, my family and I will be moving to Texarkana, Texas, where I will be the defensive line coach and recruiting coordinator there at Pleasant Grove High School in in Texarkana. My wife and I spent six unbelievable years in Kerrville, and we have a ton of friends here. We've had both of our kids here. We've won a lot of games, but we just felt like the opportunity to go to to Pleasant Grove was just too good to, to pass up. So in light of us leaving, I wanted to make sure that I sat down with a coach who has been like a big brother to me in this profession, someone who has influenced me tremendously as a person and as a coach, and is someone that I have the utmost respect for and proud to call my friend, and that is the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator here at Tyvee, Jeremy Hickman. Coach Hickman grew up in Fort Stockton, Texas, and went on to play linebacker at Western New Mexico University. He was a GA there at Western before taking his first job at West, Texas. That's the city of West right there on I-35 south of Dallas. Coach, if you ever going through, you got to stop and get a kolache. Uh, but anyway, uh, from West, he went to Fort Stockton, back to his alma mater to be, the, be a coach for, for one season. And then from Fort Stockton, he left to go to Cypress Woods High School, a new school there at the time in, in the Houston area, where he spent five seasons uh, coaching both the secondary and the linebackers. And from Cy Woods, Coach Hickman followed Coach David Jones to Tyvee, where he has been the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator for the past seven seasons. Today, Coach Hickman and I are going to reminisce a little bit about our time together here at Tyvee and talk about some memorable games and moments that we experienced. But we're also going to talk about what a typical week is like for a defensive coordinator and how he game plans and how he breaks down opponents and then how he calls games on Friday night. And it's really insightful stuff. If you're already a coordinator, you'll find some value in it. And if you're an aspiring coordinator or just an assistant coach that likes defensive football, you'll love what Coach Hickman has to say uh, today on, on today's episode. I can't say enough about Coach Hickman. I really enjoyed the opportunity to sit down with him and talk some ball and, and again, uh, just reminisce a little bit about the time that we've had together. And I can promise you that our defensive kids here at Tyvee absolutely love playing for him. And and would do anything that that he asked them to do. He is definitely an intense dude who has a passion for coaching and for molding and shaping young men. And I promise you, you will enjoy what he has to say on today's episode of KYPD. to uh, finally do this and looking forward to talking some ball and really getting to the last uh, six years we've had together here at Tyvee. That's correct. I'm, I've been excited all day and really all week since you let me know last week uh, that you'd like me to come on the show. And I've uh, been very, very humbled by just being asked to be on there, having that opportunity because you've had some great speakers and great you know guests on your show. And so I'm going to give you my best effort and hopefully I can uh, do as good as those guys did. Well, you know, to me, and I know that other people that know you and have played for you, uh, been around you, I mean, you were just flat out born to be a football coach and, and be in a position where you're influencing young men. So uh, 
Tell everybody about your experiences with the game of football growing up and what led you to want to be a coach in the first place. Well, um, you know, I didn't start playing football until I was in seventh grade. I played a little bit of flag football here and there, nothing too serious. I always kind of enjoyed baseball a little bit. And uh, in seventh grade, I remember just starting to uh, going sixth grade going into seventh grade. I uh, told my granddad, you know, hi, granddad, I'm going to play football. And, and he, it just stuck with me what he told me. And he said, well, Germ, is what he called me. He said, uh, you know, that's a tough sport for tough people. And, and, and I guess in my mind, I wanted to be tough. And I wanted, and that kind of stuck with me. And I felt, I felt like football would give me a chance to, to prove that I was tough or maybe not to other people, but to myself that I was tough enough to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I was a starting quarterback in seventh grade and outside linebacker. I played the lightning linebacker, whatever that was in, in middle school. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it just kind of, uh, uh, just stuck with me, you know, when it came through that I really enjoyed the game and, and just the contact and the physical nature of, of football. Well, so you played uh, played at Fort Stockton, and then went on to to Western New Mexico uh, and played linebacker there. Uh, talk about those experiences playing, like we always used to joke about, you know, dirty Division Two. Talk about those experiences yeah. at at, uh, at Western New Mexico. Well, you know, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to to play at Western New Mexico, and 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 you know, we we weren't just the best program we were there, so that's probably why I was able to play or had an opportunity to play, and I don't know how good a player I was, but, you know, at the Division II level, you know, it, it, you know, we, you go to places that are just unbelievable. I'll never forget the and, – and people that have played here, the Eastern New Mexico uh, locker room. When you go there, it's a tiny room, and there is one toilet right in the middle of it. And as you guys know, you know, before a game, you know, everybody's there trying to use that – there's some urinals, but I'm talking about one toilet, yeah. and it's sitting right in the middle of it, and it was about as uncomfortable as you could be, <laughs> you know, just to, you know, hand me that toilet paper, you know. <laughs> so it's a, that was, a, you know, a, 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 just a great experience. You know, uh, saw some, some great things. I went, you know, from played in California, played in Utah, played in Oregon, Montana, and, and just had a great opportunity to play all over the the country and things in places that I never would have been able to go to. I was fortunate enough to play. I enjoyed it and had a great time. I wish I probably would have enjoyed it a little more, just like uh, probably most of y'all. It was a job to me, so I took it serious, and I probably didn't have enough fun with it when it came down to it. And uh, But I really enjoyed it. You know, Dirty Vision 2, you know, there's a lot of speed in there, and I just remember how fast things were, you know, at that level yeah. for me. Well, so did you always know you wanted to be a coach? Uh, you know, I know your granddad was an old coach, uh, at, you know, back in, at, at Ozona, uh, West Texas School, West, Te uh, West Texas High School. So did you always know from a kid that you wanted to be a coach, or is that something you realized later on? I think it was something later on. You know, I think I wanted to play in the NFL as a kid, like all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, my granddad was the head coach in Ozona for 10 years, then went on to be the head coach in uh, – Fort Stockton, and he was the head coach at Sanderson before that, so all over West Texas. And, uh, you know, his brothers, all three of them, he had three brothers, or he had two brothers himself. All of them played Division One football. He played at North Texas. My, uh, his brother played at Baylor, and his other brother played at Tulane. And so 
that probably felt like I had football in my blood because you hear these stories and all that and felt like it was something I was meant to be. But going through high school, uh, it's kind of probably my junior and senior year, I started to realize, you know what, I would really like to coach and, and maybe something that I'd like to do, you know, teach kids. And, and I really enjoyed, uh, you know, my coaches in high school. Uh, they, uh, they, they really kind of influenced me in a positive way. And um, I think that kind of led me to that. And, and, and one of them was our defensive coordinator, Marcus Hinojos. He, he did a great job of mentoring us and was demanding and kind of taught us uh, the, what it's like to be a linebacker and what it's like to play team-oriented defense. You had to do your job you know, when it came to that. Uh, Dr. Randy Brown was another coach uh, that really influenced me in high school. And those guys – really were positive influences in my life and helped me to really believe in myself and uh, and develop confidence, and, and, and it really meant a lot to me uh, going through that stuff. Coach Lopez was our head coach there, Coach Phil Lopez, and he was very team and program-oriented, and that's something I'll remember for him, just being, you know, the we-will-win attitude that he brought to there, and it was just the, about the program, the team, the team, everything that you do needs to be for the team, your teammates. And all that stuff as well. So, so those guys, in combination with my grandparents, or my granddad especially, uh, kind of led me to to want to be a coach. Well, you, you've you've been in it for uh, for a while now, uh, and you've been here at Tyvee as the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator for for seven years. Just getting ready to start your eighth year. But what, talk about your the, some other stops that you've made and maybe some highlights along the way. You've had some pretty cool things in your coaching career, so talk about those. Well, uh, you know, I, I GA'd a little bit coming out, and, and I had a, you know, that was a great time for me. I learned a lot about coaching in a few weeks right there. It wasn't all it was cracked up to be. But it was something I really started to like, and I'll never forget a story. I was coaching GA and at spring there, and after, uh, you know, I was done playing, I was in spring ball, and – I was coaching the linebackers, and, and one of my good friends got in a fight in the spring game. I had a late hit and started to fight one of the receivers or something, and I remember my head coach, uh, Charlie Wade, looked at me and said, Coach, go run that kid. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me. I'm like, come on, Scott, we we got to come <laughs> over here and run. And he's like, are you kidding me? And I was like, well, you know, so that was kind of an eye-open experience yeah. for me. Like, yeah. all of a sudden, you know, like, I'm in this role, and then uh, from that point, uh, we went. I went on to West Coma, Texas, which is a little town north of Waco up there, and I was there for a couple of years with uh, Rick Wolf. Uh, he was a great head coach and just a great positive influence on my coaching career. Let us coach and didn't really meddle in what we were doing, kind of let us work. He was on the offensive side of the ball, and he really let us kind of explore, and I learned a lot of things from there. It was, real, it was really a a neat experience. My first year there, we made the playoffs, uh, and the first time in ten years that community had made it, and it was a uh, it was a great time. The next year we won district, and uh, it was really a great time to 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 be a West Trojan at that point in time. I had some great coaches that I worked with there that really taught me a lot, and and just a very positive situation for my family and myself. From there, I went uh, on to coach one year in Fort Stockton. Uh, you know, I went back to my hometown and and, and uh, stayed there one year. had a had a good run there. We went to the second round of the playoffs. I, I coached under Coach Tom Howard there, and, and and a great Coach Howard really taught me a lot about teaching kids to have self confidence in themselves and not panicking. 
And, uh, you know, as a young coach, that was my third year there as coaching. And I'm already passionate as is. Like, I'm about to jump to this microphone as we speak. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I was really, you know, getting on to kids and getting and, and really, you know, taking things to another level in terms of intensity. And he really taught me, you know, just don't have them panic and don't, you know, have confidence in yourself. Everything's going to be all right. I remember we were down by 28 points against Ozona the first game we were there, and he went in the locker room. We met as a staff. He went in there and said, guys, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to win the game. And we did, and we won the game. It was that simple. It was just a great experience for me to, to learn from Coach Howard on, on those type of things. <clears throat> I spent one year there, and then I went to uh, Houston, Texas at that point, and I was at Cypress Woods High School for the next five years under Coach David Jones. And just had a great, great experience in, in Cyprus. Cy Woods was a special place to me. Our principal, Sue McGowan, and her staff and those people were amazing to work for. They, they valued athletics. And, you know, we're at a 5A program then. It's 6A now, but it was 5A back then. And it was a big deal for us and teaching us to, to – it was important to win. And it was important – football was important because she felt like it set the culture of the school, and we won a bunch of games there for five years. We went three rounds deep, uh, four rounds deep a couple of times, and then we had an epic battle against Katie in the second round in 2011, and it was just an amazing experience uh, to be there. And then the following year, I, you know, I came to Kerrville as assistant head coach and defensive coordinator with Coach Jones as well. He, he took this job, and, and – you know, and it was kind of a funny story. I had about 10 minutes or so to really decide if I was going to go with him or not. But he'd give me a little bit of headway. But, you know, I've been here since. This is my finishing up my seventh year in Kerrville, and we've been fortunate enough to win a ton of football games here uh, and make some deep playoff runs and, and just continuing to try to get better. Well, before we jump into Tyvee stuff, because obviously we're going to spend some time on that and, and with, with – um, you know, me getting ready to leave, I, I definitely want to spend some time reminiscing a little bit and talking about, you know, what we think made us so successful and really felt like we overachieved uh, with, with, with the kids that we have and things like that. Uh, but before we get in, I think one thing that people have to know that don't know you is, you already mentioned it, is how passionate of a person you are and intense of a person you are. And I know for me personally, for, to work for someone like that, that's been awesome. Um, even though I have been fired a couple times on the sidelines yeah. when the DM misses a sack or something. But so where do you think that passion and emotion comes from? Is that, did someone teach you that? Have you just always been that way? Where does that come from? I, I don't know, to be honest with you. It's just something that has always been a part of me when it comes to competing. When it's time to compete or work, I just believe it's got to be all in. You got to be all in. And, and I, am, I am very intense. And very passionate about what what I'm gonna what we're doing. It doesn't matter if we're if we're in there doing uh, curls in the weight room. We're gonna get after it and give it the very best we can. Or if we're doing pursuit drill, or we're in a football game, I believe it's a hundred percent relentless effort. And and I don't know where that came from in terms of that. It was something that was always said to me. I remember one of my seventh grade coaches. Uh, his name was Case Wallace, and he called me the Boz, which I had no idea who that was, but it was Brian Bosworth at the time. Uh, you know, I would run around in games, and I just ran around and made a bunch of plays. I remember one of the games after my first game or two, I had a bunch of bruises on my head <laughs> from my helmet not being correct. 
and he was like, I've never seen a kid play like you. And I didn't know any – I just I was just running around trying to smash somebody, yeah. trying to prove to myself that I was tough, yeah. trying to prove to myself that, that I could get after it. And then uh, Coach Levy from Andrews one time had told my head coach, that's the most tenacious player I've ever seen play. And uh, I didn't even know what that word meant. My, my defensive <laughs> coordinator told me, and I went and looked it up. I was like, that tenacity. I kind of like it. It made sense. And, and, and it's just been something that – it's just my personality. Again, like I said, I'm an all-in guy. And I'll tell you, when it's time to go, we will flat get after it. And we expect that from our kids and, and our coaches. And uh, I just love what I do. And I want the kids to know that I'm in the boat with them. I'm asking you to do something. Our coaches are asking you to do something, and we're right there with you. We're, we're intense, we're passionate, and we're as enthusiastic as you need to be as well. Well, going back to now seven years ago, uh, I got a call. We were in, in Mississippi, and I remember I had I'd sent my stuff into, uh, into Kerrville, and I'd already kind of forgotten about it. And I got a call one night, and uh, I remember we lived in a condo, and I walked out on the porch so I could hear you, and, and you – you caught you. You're, it was you're on the phone and and asking if if I had any interest in coming down and interviewing and and so we started talking and I remember um, you kind of just right then and there on the phone. You know we had never talked before, but sort of outlined your vision for the defense and and um, I came in and told my wife. I said, Hey, I'm 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 going to interview. Let's get a flight down to uh, to San Antonio. I, I'm I'm going to go interview for that job, and, and I, I I want to go to Kerrville. Uh, just from talking with you right then and there, I knew that was something I wanted to be a part of. And your your passion and intensity was evident just through the phone. So uh, let's talk about that uh, Tyvee defensive football a little bit. Again, we've worked together for six years now, and so I feel like I you know I I have a pretty good feel for for these answers. But just for those guys who who don't know. Um, talk about your defensive philosophy, uh, as we call it here, the standard of, of the Blue Swarm defense. What is that, and, and what do you think makes that standard? Well, kind of before we get into that, I do want to say when I, you, we had about 120-something resumes whenever we hired you. And I'd, we'd gone through your resume a couple of times, and, and, and for some reason we kept coming back to it. And I remember Coach Jones said, well, let, let's call him. And you're really my first hire that I made when I got here. We were here for a year, and then we had to replace a guy. And uh, called him, and then and you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, let me call you back in a little bit and see where you're at. Called Coach Jones, said, you know, he is interested, but he's in Mississippi, and, you know, they just won a state championship or whatever. And so I called you back, and I remember, you, you know, I said, you know, are you sure about this? That's a long way. And you said, I'm going to be there Friday. I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to fly in. I mean, it was within yeah. a couple of days. And uh, I remember you telling me on the phone, you know, Coach, I, you know, I, I'd find it hard-pressed for you to find a better coach than me. And it <laughs> stuck out in my mind because I believe as a coach, you, you got to believe in yourself and you got to know, like, I'm the dude. Yeah. For you, and yeah. it stuck out to me. And you came in, blew the interview out of the water, blew our our administration out of the water. You did a great job teaching. You did a great job for us, and and just an amazing hire for us. And we were very blessed to, to to fall into you. And I know there's a whole background story with that as well. We don't need to get into that, yeah. but we were blessed to fall into you uh, to get here. And I feel like you were a huge part of us putting together this defense. Yeah. Because 
we had kind of taken over the first couple of years. Uh, Coach McAuliffe's and Coach Smith's defense and those guys and, and had some really good players. And, and that first year you were here, we were pretty dominant on defense. Yeah. Yeah. But it kind of I think we kind of grew together and helped implement a, a scheme and a, and, a, and a way that we want to do things. And so we call ourselves the Blue Swarm. And, and so we kind of give ourselves a name. I think that's important to give an identity to a group of kids. And whether it's your position, um, you know, or whatever, it gives them an identity. And I think the biggest aspect of our program is probably a brotherhood. We, we do not want to let each other down when it comes to yeah. the defense. We play for each other. Everybody has a job. And I think the brotherhood and the, the, the accountability that we put on our kids when it comes to that is amazing. We, we preach team defense. It is team defense. We very rarely single kids out in terms of, of players. It's just about us, 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 and you don't let your brother down. And I think that is a big part of what we're doing in defense. We don't know where they're going. We've got to rally around each other and, and, and help each other out. I mean, we had a huge game we'll get into later where we have one kid make a backside tackle and cause a fumble and save the game. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a little bit later. Just the amazing effort of not wanting to let your brother down and your teammate. I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that we teach. But our number one aspect of our defense is uh, relentless effort. From snap to whistle, nobody plays harder than we do. We practice that way. From snap to whistle, nobody plays harder than we do. And we're big on relentless effort. And those kids will tell you, they'll recite that stuff. We will not. We will not put up with lack of effort. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It's something that we practice, whether you're talking about a pass hole, a pursuit drill, which we do every day, and we'll get into some of that as well, a tackling circuit, those things. And I'm not trying to say there's not teaching moments in practice. We're not asking them to, to get in a stance with the amount of intensity it needs. To do. But I think uh, just the relentless effort, that we preach, it shows on, and it's very adamant and very evident, excuse me, on our film when you watch us play. Our kids are relentless. And because if they don't, there's going to be a price to pay to those guys. They are accountable to their effort. They're accountable to, to each other, and they're accountable to their team and to their coaches for their effort. And I think that's the biggest thing that we look at for our kids is give effort. I don't care about talent because we're, we're, we're not the most talented kids. And, and on defensive side, sometimes you don't get the most talented kids. We, we get kids that want to be a part of something big and want to sell out. And so we have to maximize those talents. And, and we get kids who are, are talent scale of four or five. We want a four or five every day because on game day, that may be a six or seven. And so, our, our, you know, our philosophy is, is, is relentless effort. And I think that's probably our main thing that we hang our hat on. Right. Yeah. I I think that one thing that we've we've discovered and as we've as we've gone through the years is uh, how important it is to have a standard that's written down and have something that not just uh, a catchy thing that's on a poster in our defensive film room or that we put on a T-shirt, but you know every kid in that defensive room, whether they're you know a backup JV player or they're the Friday night starter, they got to know what's expected of them and what the standard is. And then they have to be held to that standard, you know. So talk about that. Like how 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 do you 
how do you hold kids to that standard? I know sometimes it can be tempting, especially if you have maybe a group of kids or a class of kids that's not as talented or whatever, to try to lower that standard. How important is it to have that standard and then call those kids up to that? You know, first and foremost, you hit the nail on the head. We will not lower our standard. It doesn't matter. If you put a Tyvee uniform on and you're representing the Blue Swarm defense, you're going to do it the way we want you to do it, and it's the way that, that, that we expect you to do it. I think the first thing is we've got to, you've got to get your coaches on board. You can't do that yourself. It's a team effort on the coaching side of it. Every coach, every defensive coach in our, in our office has our objectives and, our, and our, team, our team defense philosophy on their desk. I ask them to have that so that we know what we're about. We can always reference those things, and each one of them have about eight to ten things on it that we go through, and we talk about it. You know, going into the season, and you've been here six years, and every year going into it, we've talked about these things. They have not changed uh, when they come to that, and I think it helps us ground us and give us direction on what we're looking for with our kids. But our kids also get the same sheet, and they hang it in their locker, and they know what they represent when it comes to that stuff. You know, we are going to give relentless effort. We are going to be accountable. And, and I think that is huge when it comes to that stuff. Very detail-oriented. We want our kids detail-oriented. We, we, we have a saying in, in, in our deal is, you know, sweat the small stuff. Sweat the small thing. Everything matters. Everything we do matters. There is not anything that we do that's wasting your time. And so we're asking for you to, to have that mentality when you get out there. We're not just doing walkthrough. We're out there mentally preparing, getting you, getting you ready to line up or whatever when it comes to that stuff, you know. And we want kids to be physical. That's another aspect of it. We, we preach it. We practice it. And, you know, we are not soft at practice. We do some things that, that, that you know, some people probably shy away from. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we don't, we're not all out all the time. But there's certain points of practice where we want kids to be physical. And, and I think you have to teach that. And, and uh and you praise it on film and you praise it in, in practice and kids love that stuff. But I think to answer your question, you got to get your coaches on board to believe in your vision as a coordinator, as a leader, and then let them lead their guys in that way and give them ownership in that. And I think you guys have done a tremendous job, much better than I do, because uh, we're not on every day. We don't have our best days and you guys always pick me up or, or we pick each other up on getting our kids to be relentless and getting right. our kids to be detail-oriented understanding that we're going to be physical and we're going to be tough and that nobody is going to outwork us. Nobody will outwork us. And we tell our kids that. We don't have time for a Monday. We're not having Monday. You're going to outwork everybody today, right now, high knees, whatever, yeah. and we're going to get after it. I think it's so important, like you mentioned, to have all your coaches on board. And, and yeah, I mean, I, have, I, went, I packed up all my football stuff, and I had from 2013 until 2000. Uh, 18, uh, Blue Swarm, Tyvee Antler defensive objectives and standards and uh, from every year. And I think that's so um, crucial because now all of us as coaches, uh, we know what's expected of us, we know what's expected of the kids, and we're all on the same page. We know what the standard is. It's not just some nebulous thing out there that we sort of mention every now and then. It's in black and white. And so then, when either a coach or a kid's not living up to that standard, we can go back to that and say, hey, we wrote this stuff down, we talked about this, this isn't just something that we thought was cool and we wanted to try to uh, talk about or whatever, but this is who we are, it's in our DNA. You mentioned something that, that um, I wanted to make sure we talked about, uh, but details, and I, 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 
without a doubt, one of the biggest things that I've learned from you and grown uh, an area where I've grown uh, over the years is in the details. Um, one of my jobs, especially on Saturday and Sunday, me and Chris, the other D-line coach, we would draw run cards on Playmaker Pro, which sucks. Uh, <laughs> but actually, as we got, as the years went on, we built up a good uh, reservoir of plays, and so it wasn't that bad. But there were a lot of times, especially early on, where we'd draw plays and we'd stay up here and we're drawing plays or whatever, and then I'd give them to you, and then on Monday, there'd be a play or two on back on my desk with highlighted where maybe I didn't put where the line where the, the right guard was supposed to block or I didn't put the right um, – I didn't have the safety down, you know, because we had him down in the box against this formation or whatever. And so there'd just be a little line, and then it'd say, details, dude. <laughs> and it would piss me off so bad because I hated not getting it right. And uh, that kind of turned into a joke around here. But why are details so important? Why, 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 why worry about that? You said sweat the small stuff. Why? Well, because I think you do a bunch of small things right, big things can happen. And I want our kids to understand, and we we coach our kids with utmost detail. I mean, as a defensive lineman, your hand placement on your get-off or just your get-off or your eyes and all that, I think the more detail-oriented you are, the more your kids are going to learn football IQ. They're going to understand that being detail-oriented will separate you from everybody else. We're not just trying to develop football players. We are trying to develop men who go into the world and be successful. And I think that you have to be detail-oriented. I do, you don't see many successful people that just say, ah, it's going to be all right. You know, hey, we'll just do it like this. I think you've got to be focused, especially when it comes down to, to putting a scheme together or fitting runs up. You've got to be detailed as all get out. And I do know there's been several times in the last few years, not as many, and, uh, but, but as you guys – put the cards in, I'd go through every card to see if it was blocked right or if the alignments were right yeah. because it matters. Yeah. It does matter where the defense is. That's not the front we're in. That's right. not, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I think that helped. That was something that somebody did to me and it kind of helped me as, as, a, as a young coach. And, and that was something that I've always just felt like I, I never let that go. I wanted to be detail-oriented. I want my kids to be detail-oriented. I think our kids are. They understand when we see this formation or this set, these certain things are going to happen. And I think it's just critical on that. But I also want, when I mess up, I want you guys to say, hey, details, dude. Yeah. So you guys said details to me too a lot. Because, I mean, you know, you guys understand this Saturday or Sunday, you know, we, 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 we're working on three hours of sleep. Yeah. You know, we're up there drawing on the board and it looks like, it looks like crap. And that's just part of it. And, you know, sometimes you got to get checked. And so I'm not above that, not one bit. And I want us all to be a part of it and all be held accountable to that side of it. But I think it still comes back down to accountability. Yeah. Our kids deserve our very, the very best, you know, trap out of, out of 21 personnel that we can draw. Yeah. And then because you know as well as I do, the main reason we want to be detail-oriented is because there's nothing more frustrating than scout team offenses. It is frustrating as all get out. And we have wore kids out up and down the, the, the sideline for not doing what's on the card. Right. And so the more detailed we are, the, the less leeway that line has, the better chance we have of getting that play run right or the block run right so that we can fit it the right way and we get the look that we want. And, and you guys understand that. It, and, and you guys that have never seen us coach, and I think we're getting this a little bit. Our our team defensive side of practice is very intense, and 
getting after it. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, I just think that's part of it, just being extremely detail-oriented in, in your preparation and getting your kids prepared yeah. and, and uh, just trying to be the best coach you can be. Well, let's, let's talk about that. You know, we, we mentioned, you know, one of the standards of our defense has been relentless effort. So let's talk about the ways that we have implemented that over the years and preached that, and not just preached it, but actually uh, uh, ingrained that into our players uh, with the way that we practice and prepare. So talk about some things you think are important that, that teach that relentless effort. Well, there's a couple of things. First thing is we do pursuit drill every day. In the spring, we do it every day in the in fall camp. We do it every day. You know, we could be in the fourth round of the playoffs, and we're going to start practice off with pursuit drill. And it's not just – we're not just running out to a cone or, or doing things like that. We want our kids to be encouraging. We want it a high energy. We start practice with a high energy team-oriented drill. And so we want them to understand that no matter what, you line up and you run to the football. And time and time and time again in film, we have showed our kids, look, you're running to cone four right here and you made the play. Because we do it so much. When they get a ball going that way or this way, they know right where to go. And, and so we've showed kids over and over on film. And, 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 again, that comes down to coaches and the coaching staff making that important. You're loafing. That didn't count. Run it again. We, we could be doing – everybody gets two reps and we're going to be done. But nope, so-and-so didn't want to run today. He's not feeling it. Now we're all going to do it again. That comes back to being accountable. That comes back to letting your brothers down. Um, but I think pursuit drill is probably one of the biggest things that we understand. We are going to be relentlessly pursuing the football. Yeah. No matter what, we're going to run to the football. And we better have 11 guys on the, the ball when the, about the end of the, you know, each frame of the picture. And we grade that as well. Um, I also think that the way we grade film – is, is it teaches that we point out great effort on film and kids love to be praised by their coaches. Yeah. And so we, we grade effort on their film. And that's the first thing that I grade on, on film is I look at my kids effort yeah. who sticks out. I better not see anybody sticking out because that's not going to be good when we go into film on Monday, as you know, we, yeah. I count the loafs. I call them loafs on plays that I don't feel like that kid gave his best effort. And we do a burpee for every loaf that we had in, in uh, on the game that, that Friday night before. Now, we've been there and gone through 10 straight minutes and done 64 burpees or something one yeah. time yeah. and wasted 10 minutes of practice. But we've also had it where we've done five. And it's just a process. Early in the year, those kids, especially if we have kids that hadn't played varsity football, they understand that no matter what, you're going to run to the football until you hear a whistle. Right. Uh, you know, those are just some things, and I also think it's 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 when we do things in team uh, as well. We have a team period, and uh, we we want maximum effort. We run to the football, and then we turn around and sprint fifteen yards to a cone. And in that meantime, we have another huddle getting set up, yeah. and those kids are coming back from getting broke out, and they ran a fifteen yard sprint where the cone is outside the hash. They've got to recognize the formation, make the check, and get lined up and get ready to go. And we better not see kids loafing. We're trying to mentally tax them, physically tax them, emotionally tax them, because we're screaming and hollering the whole time. Right. You know, on our end of it as coaches, you know, when we get to that period 16 or 17 when it's team period, you know, for five minutes before that, I'm getting myself mentally geared up. Yeah. 
to go yeah. get after these kids when it comes down for our, our 10 to 15 minute team period because yeah. we want relentless effort. Yeah. And those kids will get called out if they don't give great effort. Yeah. Because that's not a talent thing. That's a want to thing. Right. Yeah, I love how we do team here with, you know, we have, we have, so we have basically like our varsity kids, like the second string guys or whoever we can, you know, the best of, usually, we usually don't have starters out there. Sometimes, occasionally we do, um, you know, if, especially if we have a big time receiver that we're trying to prepare for that week or, or whatever. Um, and then they're running a play and then we have a, 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 our best JV guys, they're in the other huddle. And so you have two huddles going. Uh, back to back, and so uh, it's it really is intense. We get in a lot of plays. Uh, we don't coach up a lot of. There's not a whole lot of time to do a whole lot of coaching. It's a little bit of correcting here and there, but we really coach off the film. You know, we all we go back in after practice and watch that film, and you know, pick out a few plays that we saw this or this or this. But it's mainly get lined up, make the call, make the check. You know, D line. You know, recognize formation. What are we thinking of that formation? And let's go get there. Uh, it's not always fit up perfectly or, or anything like that, but uh, I think the objective is recognize, perform, uh, and execute when they're tired. That's right, and I think the biggest part of, of, of what we're trying to create in a practice, and, and we cannot recreate a game-level right. uh, intensity in, in a practice, but we can do our best to make the kids perform in that 10 to 15 minutes in that time when we're asking them to do it. We want them under pressure. We want kids to fail Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Because after getting wore out by the coaching staff for a couple of days, they start to figure it out. And by Thursday and Friday, they feel like King Kong going in the game. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. And, And we are trying to crush those kids physically, mentally, and emotionally with effort, intensity, and screaming at them, or coaching them loud, excuse me, uh, for their effort and trying to say, get lined up. What formation is this? Where is this kid at? Or you know, we we we're we're so detail oriented that we have certain colors of of uh, pennies that we put on the kids, and we've got to find where's the green penny? Right. Who is this kid? This is number right. twenty-seven that we're looking for. And so we we want the kids to just be on verge of mental breakdown because. When we put them under pressure like that, and you've seen it, and you understand this, and guys that are listening to this have seen this on film, we make plays in pressure situations, and you're going to sit there and wonder, how did we do that? And I think it's just the standard of what we do. We put pressure on our kids every day yeah. to perform. Yeah, and, and to maybe go back to what you're talking about, yelling at kids, and, and it is. I mean, we're, we're yelling and, and getting into them, and I know there's some people who disagree with, with yelling, but I think one thing you have to know, and uh, make sure that I make clear is that I think, especially you know our, our defensive guys, um, I mean all our coaches, but I'm just speaking for our side of the ball, um, have have really strong relationships with our kids uh, to where we're able to do that. And I and I, we've, we've that's been mentioned and talked about on this podcast before that before that any of that can take place, you have to have that relationship with them, uh, and they have to know, like you mentioned at the very beginning, you're in the boat with them. And then when, when, when they have that understood, then you can coach them hard. And um, so just to make sure that's clear, I feel like we have great relationships with our kids here, and, and that's, why we can, that's why we can coach them hard. And I, I 100% agree with you. I love our kids so much, and I believe our coaches do too, that I will not allow them to not be their full potential. And I think that's on me. 
I'm not screaming and holler at them because I'm mad. I'm screaming and holler at them because they can do better. We yeah. expect better. You are not going to meet. We're not going to lower our expectation because you're having right. a bad day. Right. We have guys that depend on you. You're accountable to our program and our defense. And so, you know, we love those kids. And uh, we get after them, though, for the, and, that's, and it's for pure love. It's not any other reason than us caring about yeah. it. Well, so we have been a, a 4-3, and really it's, it's a 4-3 with 4-2-5 principles. I mean, that our, our SAM is a lot like most people's rover. You know, we're basing out of too high. Um, well, so just, just take a few minutes and talk about that defense and why you like it so much, what's, what's good about it, and, and uh, yeah, just talk about, about that, our 4-3 defense. And, and our 4-3 base out of what we do, we're off the Gene Chiswick tree. That's where our stuff's coming, funneled down to. You know, and you could go to when he was at UT, at Auburn, and these places, it's the same terminology. Uh, everything's the same when it comes to his fits and, and, and uh, his alignments and the positions and all of that stuff. But we do do a lot of 4-2-5 adjustments, and that's a TCU kind of base thing that we've put together with on our adjustment. Uh, because as y'all know, as defensive coaches, you know, the, the even front – especially the 4-3, numbers are a huge deal. And so we've got to be able to adjust and do some things to make sure that we're not getting outnumbered or outleveraged or whatever that, that comes up. But I, lo- I like the 4-3 because it fits our kids. And what I mean by that is we have smaller kids here. And so we're not going to be able to, to demand a double team in an odd front. We're not going to have a guy, one guy, much less two guys, to be able to really demand a double team. Now, I'm not saying to say – that we don't have players, I don't mean that. I, what I'm trying to say is we have smaller kids, so we want to depend on our quickness. That's why we say we're trying to develop bullets over bowling balls. We want kids to be quick. We want kids to be fast, and we want to utilize that uh, as a defense. And I think the 4-3 helps do that. We don't have big linebackers. You know, in odd front, those two inside guys have got to be pluggers, and we don't really have those kids. We have kids that can run around. And, and make plays, and, and a lot of them, a lot of our kids have all kind of gone through this progression. Uh, they, I know you've mentioned this before, but, you know, a lot of our defensive linemen have been linebackers or running backs yeah, yeah. Or, or certain things like that, and, and a lot of our linebackers were safeties at one time, and a lot of our corners were, were receivers at one time. We, we get kids um, – and just try to develop them. But I think the even front fits our kids. And we ran it at Sal Woods. It's the same exact defense. We've tweaked it, but the same concept and have won a bunch of games with it. Now, it's not perfect. Every scheme has its, its yeah. pluses and minuses. But I think it fits our kids. And we've, and we've, we've run odd fronts, and we've done different looks uh, from there, too. And, and we're not, we're, we don't sit there and just stick with it. But that's our base stuff. Right. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I was going to ask you about it. Um, about going to odd front some, and we've done that some the last couple of years, and I think more and more, uh, and I, especially as I've done this podcast and, and looked around and researched what other people are doing, you're seeing that that's kind of a big trend is odd front teams are using blending in more uh, even front stuff and even front uh, defenses are using more odd front. Do you think that's that's a good thing? Uh, is that, that, that defenses should be able to get into some of that, or is that – is that just sort of a gimmick thing that you use every now and then? I think it's, uh, it depends on your kids. It depends on your personnel. What type of personnel do you have? Can you package it? 
can you use the same type of kids or is it just as effective uh, both defenses? And so I think year to year just depends on what we have. One year here we ran the 3-3 stack yeah. with the kids that we have. Yeah. And 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 now we didn't run it exclusively, but we used it as a changeup and a yeah. blitz type type of a defense. And then we've had a speed package where you have littler guys all go in, linebackers go rush uh, the passer, and certain things like that. Uh, I don't think it's a gimmick thing. I think there's some relevance to it um, when it comes to that. And given the, the the you don't want the offense to know exactly what you're doing. Where's your yeah. B gap? Yeah. Where is your force? You know, so if you can take some of those things away, especially with RPOs and, and things that are coming along or that have really uh, started to evolve, you know, you don't want them to know just exactly what you're doing. So I think there is some relevance to that. But I'm also big on doing what we do. Yeah. You know, I'm going to call a defense, not defenses. That's so we play right. defense, not defenses. Right. So, you know, um, when push comes to shove, we're probably going to be in our yeah. stuff because I've, you know, as a coordinator and calling it, You've got two seconds to make that adjustment and, and make the call. And so I don't want to be looking at my play sheet trying to figure out, this is the personnel we got in, what can I do? I want to be able to know you know, exactly what I'm wanting to do. And, and, and with that 4-3, when something happens, we all pretty much know this is what happened. Yeah. And, uh, and we'll get it fixed right away when it comes to that. Well, you saying that reminded me of a game that we had this past season um, uh, against a slot T team, a team that we've seen – Every year since I've been here, and and usually have, have typically have fared pretty well against those guys, and and every year when we get ready for those that that, that team, we we really got into a completely different defense. I say completely different. I mean, honestly, our kids, most of them, you could they didn't know much. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't much different as far as responsibility wise, but um, just the look and everything looked a little bit different, uh, and and it it didn't go well this year. It was a track meet. Uh, and, and it was one of those things where uh, I think we were all a little bit shell-shocked because this is, again, we'd seen this team or seen this, this offense for years now. We all knew it pretty well and felt comfortable with it. But uh, we ended up pulling that game out, and, and I think a telling thing is what did we do in the second half? Well, um, just like you said, the last six years, those guys have not scored very much against us. Yeah, they, they scored more than 17 points against us. The whole time. And so, you know, we actually talked to Coach Herman at AFCA uh, yeah. this year and kind of said, you know, Coach Herman, you did a great job game plan yeah. for us. And he said, I had five years of film. I was tired of doing the same thing, beating their head against the wall. And they did. They came out. They didn't run their stuff. Yeah. They didn't come run 236, 234. Yeah, they they ran a lot of tackle over. Yeah. They switched some guys around. So our, our kids were like, that's not the, the tight end that we worked on. And he wasn't. That tight end was now the tackle. Yeah. The tackle was now the tight end. Yeah. And, and they sugar huddled yeah. and sprinted to the line and snapped the ball, which was not slot T teams normally do that, but not that close to the ball. I mean, right. they, 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 yeah. they kind of got in position, and it was something totally different than they'd ever done. And we, it did. We were. It was a total disaster the first half. We were all shell shocked. And I remember that third or fourth series, we started saying, "All right, this coach, you're watching this only. This coach, this only. This coach, this only." So that we got into halftime, we could say, "Okay, this is what they're doing." And at the end, by the middle of the second quarter, we started to kind of hone in on it and get a better feel. And I think we only gave up one touchdown the second quarter. And then the second half, we shut them out. And we yeah. made some adjustments at halftime, which is one of our 
you know, one of our better days of coming together at halftime and just coming up with some things to simplify it a little bit, still using a couple of different fronts, but just to counteract what they were doing yeah. to us. And that, and that was just a total coaching effort on our end of all having input and focusing and what can we change. And it was a disaster. Yeah. Well, and, and I we, we ended up playing a lot of base. And I think so. My, so to circle back to our point, talking about switching up defensive looks, which I think is a great thing. Uh, I think, yeah, you have your you have your thing that you do, whether it's three four four three four two five whatever, and to be able to change it up, and it, and it's ideal if you can do it without taking guys off the field, you know, subbing guys out. Um, sometimes that's 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 unavoidable. But but the, the whole thing is, at the end of the day, when it's nut cutting time, you have something that you can fall back on. And our kids, we said, hey, just get out there and play deep, play play base defense. And I think that calmed our kids down, and they were able to just calm down and focus on what they usually focused on. And and and, and I think maybe even more of a wasn't even a schematic thing, maybe more just a mental thing. It allowed them to calm down and just go out there and make plays and stack good drives on top of good drives and just get a stop here, get a stop there. And and I think that was the difference. So I think that was crucial is that we had that foundation of, hey, let's just go back and play our defense. And and that got us through that game. Well let's talk about moving into some just some questions that are that pertain to you as a coordinator. And this is something that we haven't talked about a whole lot yet on this podcast that I want to get into that I think that we did a good job and that y'all do a good job uh, here now is is game planning and so let's 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 get into that um, just to talk about you know when the game's over Friday night uh, we usually do watch the film that night you know most if it's a home game if it's an away game we might watch it on the bus or uh, or whatever or depending on how long the road trip is maybe we'll watch it when we get back just I think all of us, that's our personality. We just want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then before we show it to the kids the next day. So talk about, uh, just walk through the process of, of how you think and how you game plan for an opponent throughout the week. Uh, starting with that game's over Friday night, Saturday, the next day, what are you doing? So, um, you know, on Saturday, uh, we come together. Uh, you know, like you said, we, do, we normally here watch the film on Friday night before we go home. And I'm not just really the best morning person on a Saturday, on a Saturday after the game, so I think that's part of it. I'm amped up already from the game, right. so it gives me time to kind of calm my mind down, get an idea of what's going on, and then it gives me some time to kind of think about it as I go home and get ready for bed. And when I wake up driving back to work the next day, some things that we're going to talk to the kids about when we go through that. And when we're grading film on those guys, and again, like I said earlier, I'm grading effort. I'm grading effort. When we, when we watch the film, we're going to coach the details, but I'm looking at effort from those guys. Do we have loafs? Why did this play make a mistake? Was our alignment wrong? And so I'm grading effort. I'm grading the loafs. And I'm also looking at fundamentals. Are we fundamentally sound? Are there some things that we're not doing right? I know that's odd sounding, but that's something that I make, I make a point of in my mind as I'm watching through it. I watch every kid. I'll go through it and watch every kid and make sure that we're doing things fundamentally sound. If there's something glaring, we need to get that fixed the next week. Um, but when it comes to game planning, it all comes down to the details, dude. It comes down to us inputting things correctly, even if we're tired, getting the, 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 the right hash, because hashes matter, formations matter, backfield sets matter. 
Uh, all of those things. I think that's the most important thing that we, we, we take time to put the stuff in the computer correctly. We have our middle school guys help us, and we do uh, quite a bit of it ourselves, and you, especially you guys. And I think that without that stuff, we can't really put a solid game plan together when it comes down to it. As you know, on Saturday, we generally go through and make sure all the data is correct. We kind of skim through the games and kind of watch them. Uh, generally, three games we're going to watch, and that's what we're going to use for our opponents. Uh, you start getting four, five, six games, that's too much data. It starts misconstruing things. Um, but we'll kind of go through them and uh, make sure that our data is correct. And then it just gives us an idea to kind of think about some things before we come back on Sunday uh, after lunch to start working. Uh, but the details of the inputting and the data is, is huge, and that uh, um, helps us to kind of see what is the offense doing, what are they hanging their hat on, what are their bread-and-butter plays, and it allows us to put some things together to try to stop those plays uh, when it comes down to just putting a game plan together without just too much away when it comes to that. When, when we uh, – and, and, you know, we would start formulating a game plan. We'd watch the games, kind of just watch them Saturday just to get a first impression of the team, really not looking to – we're not writing anything down. We're not – there's no cut-ups. We just would right. jump straight into games, and we're just kind of watching those games. And usually we try to get through those and then go home right. uh, and sleep on it and then come back the next day. And if we needed to finish up a game or two on Sunday, finish it up. But then that's when we would start doing our cut-ups, right, and start watching cut-ups – and, and so why is it so important in, in your mind to, uh, to, to look at you know, teams based on formation and, and know how you're going to get lined up to all those things? Why is that so important? Well, again, kind of like what I alluded to earlier, the even front, our 4-3, we can't get outnumbered. And, and so we've got to make sure our numbers and alignments are correct when we're looking at those formations that each team runs that week. And so we're, we're going to look at you as, as, as these offenses formationally and make sure that our alignments are right. Uh, that we, where where can they plus us? How could they plus us? How could we counteract that? What would be our answer if they come start if they start doing that, or if they if it comes down to this stuff? Um, I think the cutups are huge because if you start to watch things over and over and over, the same formation, same play, same down and distance, whatever it is that we utilize, all of those things, you start to see things in patterns, and you start to see. Uh, you know, some adjustments that they made throughout the game or things like that to help us get a feel for what they're doing. And I think the biggest thing is just putting together a plan to counteract what they do best and, and, and be fundamentally sound and make sure that where our alignments are sound. And we do some things sometimes that aren't very sound, yeah. but, yeah. It's, but it's a game plan deal. Yeah. And we, we, we do some things that, are, that, are, that don't look right at times, and but we're doing it because this is what we're expecting and what we think is going to happen. Uh, but again, I think it's the details. It comes down to the cut-ups, and it comes down to us as a staff working together each in each of our little crafts and coming together and saying, "What's the best? What are the best things we can do against this team to help our kids be successful?" Yeah, and so then by Sunday night, we we all leave Sunday evening after late afternoon, evening, whatever. Uh, just depends on the time of year who we're playing. But we all have a, a firm grasp of the game plan, and so then I think you know Monday morning we sh we show up, and if it's if it's a district game, we have a scouting report, and we're meeting with those guys. And I think that this is something you always do a great job of is selling the game plan to the kids and articulating that in a way where they understand what we're doing. Hey, here here it is. 
here's what we got to do to be successful. Now let's go do it. And so when you get into Monday and you talk about practices and even as you watch film on Monday, what's that like? Uh, are you still changing things? Are there things that you might take out of the game plan from Sunday or from the weekend? What's Monday like? Well, Monday is usually the roughest day for us in terms of the kids because it's all new stuff. So some of it's not going to look good. And as a coordinator, you've got to watch that practice film and say, are we going to be able to get it by Wednesday? Yeah. And if we're not, as a staff, we look at it and say, man, this guy's really struggling with this. Then we'll scrap it. Yeah. We will. And that just comes down to there's not a, there's not a, a magic solution to that. We have a plan together. And we go through the week, and as sometimes you're not as fresh on the weekends. You've watched the opponent a little more on Monday. We stay Monday and Tuesday night and watch a little more film on the guys. And sometimes things come become a little more clear, and we say, you know what, this may be a little bit better. Or we don't need to do that. Let's cut that out, let our kids play fast, and go from there. But I think it's a weekly process. And sometimes we have put some things in. We have seen some things later on the week and say, hey, we're going to put this in because yeah. of this. And we show the kids – Look, on film, we do this, you do that, and that's what's going to happen. And, and I do, as a coordinator, and even as your position group, because we go into our own positions on, on the scouting report days, I think it's huge as a leader to present to the kids what's going to happen. And you got to sell them. you got to sell them on, on what we're doing and make them understand this is the greatest, the best plan ever put together, and we're fixing to get after these fellas. And, and, and uh it's just big on that point. And we all come together as a staff. We know what we're going to say. And then we go to our position groups and we, again, preach that same message so that kids are all on the same page. And I think we've done a great job of being totally together as a, as a D-line, as a, as a linebacker group, a secondary group, and teaching the same things and right. the same verbiage, the same standards. And uh, it just makes a huge difference. So you get into Tuesday, uh, and, and that's usually uh, here when we get the next week's opponent's that's film. Uh, do you watch that, or does that, do you feel like that, that kind of clouds your mind for your, the game that week? Me, personally, I do not like to look at the film until, the next, until we're done with that opponent. I know some guys that do. I don't like that uh, because I, I've, I'm trying to focus on what they're doing. I watch the films, and I'm kind of calling games as I'm watching film on my own. What would I call here? And just kind of go through it. And if I see somebody, another offense later on, especially later on in the year when you're tired, you're thinking, well, was that this game or this game? What team was that? I, don't want, to, I want to be fair to the kids and make sure that I'm mentally in on what we're trying to do. And, and there is a lot of thinking that goes on with 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 putting a plan together and making sure that your calls are right or you know what does third and short look like third and medium third and long you know all those things that we break down what calls fit that and, and I don't want to mess up because I had some cloudiness with yeah. somebody else's now the position guys like you guys y'all go through and, and start inputting some of those games uh, throughout the week just to save us some time or, or just just do a right. little bit here and there and uh, that helps, but on my end of it, I'm I'm not the smartest guy out there, so you know it does cloud my vision a little bit at times. Yeah. And it may not actually; it may be something that that I I can separate. But I don't. I want to be fair to the kids and make sure that I'm totally focused on what we're doing that week. You mentioned watching the the, the film and calling the game as you're watching the film. So walk us through what that's that's like. So are you watching it and not looking at what the play is? You're just looking at the formation. And based on the, the amount of film you've watched, you're like, okay, 
you know, they're in uh, 10 personnel, um, and, and it's, it's, you know, first and 10, uh, but based on, you know, maybe the position of the back or, or whatever, where this receiver's lined up, you know, my data tells me it's going to be this, so this is what I'm calling. Is that kind of how you're walking through that process? Right it now? is. It's kind of funny you say that, but I go through that several different ways. I'll go through a game and just call it based on down and distance. Just trying on my end of it, practice my down and distance knowledge. Yeah. Where, was I right? Was I not right? And, it, and again, it's not like I'm sitting there breaking the film down. I'm just saying, hey, first and 10, this is what I'm calling. Okay, good. You know, we're good on those things. I'll also go through, uh, and this is in no particular order, but I'll go through and call it by formation. I'm getting this formation. I'm calling, I'm, in my mind, what calls am I going to make? So then, not only am I hitting it down in distance memory, now I'm hitting my memory formationally saying, okay, I'm getting these formations. I want these calls coming in when I'm new. Is, is that going to work? Is that going to work? Is that going to work? So I call it several different ways uh, when it comes to that. And then towards the end of the week, you know, I'm just watching it kind of going through each thing. I'll look at the down and distance, and then these are what I'm thinking. I'll yeah. look at the formation. These are what I'm thinking. But usually on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, I go through and try to go through the games mentally in that aspect, and just to test myself and hold myself accountable to the data to make sure yeah. that I'm doing the very best I can to memorize that stuff and, uh, and have a good idea of, of, at least in my mind, for, for sanity of what they're trying to do. And, and, and right. as you know, and you've been here, a lot of times it's all out the window come second or third yeah. series. They're, yeah. they're totally off. They're doing some things different, and that's part of coaching. Yeah. But you want to do everything you can to be as detail-oriented as possible and to, to get to that point of the game. Yeah, we'll get to that here in a second uh, about when to, to trash the game plan and when to just ride it out. But first, so you get to Wednesday, and for us, you know, at least our saying in the, in the defensive line group, and probably everybody says this, uh, it's, it's, that's hay in the barn day. Yep. You know, I mean, that's, that's work fast Wednesday for us. Yep. This is going to rock some kids' minds, but, but we don't tell them, but the periods are one minute. Uh, it's one minute shorter, yeah. and just so it feels like practice is moving along a little faster. Right. We don't tell the kids that. It's just, it just so that way it just feels like we're moving along, and we try to minimize mistakes and polish everything up, and 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 so at that point, um, if you see something in your game plan that that you're not really like, not liking or comfortable with, is Wednesday too late to to change it, or you just ride it out? How do you handle that? I don't think Wednesday is too late to make a change if you see something glaring or you finally realize they're not getting it. Yeah. I think the way we put together practice, we are strategic on our Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday games, plays, uh, and preparation. And I think Wednesday we put some things together. We, we throw in some, some plays that are tricky. We throw in some plays that are, that are a little bit different to make sure that we're right and uh, – and they understand the game plan. It's very strategic on the plays that we select on Wednesdays to see if we're right. right. And if not, we'll make that adjustment. And I'm not afraid to do that. But our goal is to get it all cleaned up by Monday and Tuesday. And Wednesday is just a polished day. It's a feel-good day. The kids feel like they know what they're doing. They're seeing things. Their eyes are right. They're playing fast. They understand what's coming and what's expected of them when it comes to that. Now, that doesn't mean that we're, we're, we're high-fiving them and we're still coaching them hard. And, I, and Wednesday for us is a little more intense because it's a little more third down oriented. And then yeah. we do a goal line period at the right. end of, of every Wednesday practice if we're on a Friday game schedule. Right. A little goal line practice, and we defend the end zone. We don't want those suckers scoring. And I think the offense kind of takes – they want a, a little bit of pride because they know if they score, that defense is doing seven up downs. 
before yeah. the next play. Yeah. They're doing seven up-downs. You just cost us seven points for not being yeah. tough. And I think part of that is to show them some goal line plays, but it's also part like we got a couple more days. we got we got four right. plays here to amp up and get it done, or yeah. five plays to amp up and do not let the offense score. Yeah, we got. Well, we can't talk about a Wednesday practice without talking about uh, Coach Russ, Chris Russ, who coached defensive line with me, uh, played baseball at A and M, and and played uh, for the, uh, the in the Cardinals and Yankees organizations, uh, and and is, is from Tybee. He's a Kerrville guy, uh, head baseball coach, been very successful here, but uh, just an ultimate competitor, and he is our scout team quarterback. And he takes that role very seriously. And on Wednesdays, he'll, he'll dress up like the opposing team's quarterback. Uh, we somehow, through methods that we will uh, keep secret, we, we acquire a shirt or, or something, uh, a gear, some sort of gear from the team we're going to play. And he wears that. and Sometimes he has a helmet on or whatever. And he comes out amped up on Wednesdays and he's throwing darts and, and trying to make our kids look bad. And it pisses us off because we're like, Hey man, we're trying to make our kids feel good on Wednesdays and you're over here, you know, putting on a clinic. Uh, but that adds another element to it that, that really amps up the enthusiasm and, and intensity because those defensive kids don't want him punking them. That's right. And it has gotten very testy when those guys happen. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, you know, those kids start looking Come period 13 or 14, it's about to be time. Like, where's Coach Russ at? Yeah. And he'll come out. If, if that quarterback has a glove on his left hand, he's going to have a glove on his left yeah. hand. If that quarterback has one sock up, one sock down, he's going to have one sock up, one sock down. Yeah. And and he does it. He mimics that guy, and he takes it serious. He studies those guys. He'll have the footwork down, the throwing mechanics, everything, and he takes that serious. But he does become highly competitive, <laughs> and he throws balls that – and I'll have to tell the kids that kid don't throw like that. Yeah. This guy was a was a was a minor league pitcher. He pitched professionally. Yeah. You know, they're not. He's not going to throw that ball. <laughs> yeah. And trying to, to 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 keep our kids from just, you know, they're getting their their feelings hurt or getting. Right. And 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 I do get mad sometimes. I'm like, guys, compete. Yeah. But the reality of it is, he's highly competitive, and he does a great job of that. And we're better because of it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So we get to Friday, you know, as I skipped over Thursday, that's, that's uh, varsity game days. Uh, I know you go to the home games, whoever's playing at home, freshman or JV. Um, and I know that's also the day you're doing the walkthrough. And that's also a day, you know, that's when I usually would get a text, hey, can we run this stunt? Can we do this line movement? So I think you're working through that stuff, working through some of those last minute checks. Is that right? That's right. I'm putting together my call sheet. Right. And then, so that's, you know, I'm just – Looking at things, and then there's a, you always put a couple of exotic things on there, and so that's usually when I text you, what what do I have to say to to get this yeah. blitz? Or right. if I say these things, what line movement? What are they going to do? Yeah. And so our our defense is put together pretty wordy at times, but it's really simple if they understand the the, the way we do things. I don't want to get into too much of that, but yeah, that's Thursday is the day that I'm generally putting together my call sheet. And finalizing everything on my end of it, and even at walkthrough, I'm going to run through that entire call sheet and make sure that yeah. everything matches up. Make sure that we're good. There's been many times after Thursday's walkthrough that didn't look good. This is what I need to say. So I take a pen out there because I always have my Pilot G2 pen on my yes, whistle because a good yes, co- a good coach always has a pen. Yes, sir. And I'll scratch it out right when I need to, go go inside, get it all fixed up and ready to go and have it on you guys' desk when, when it's time to leave the next day. 
Uh, maybe Pilot, maybe Pilot can can sponsor this podcast. Pilot G two O seven. That's what me That's and right. Coach are rocking. So. That's right. Every Pilot, day. What's up? Holler That's at right. me. Um, okay, so we get to Friday, and uh, you, you know you get to the game and you get in the flow of the game, uh, and you're calling, you're making your calls. This is going to sound like a really basic question, but I'm sure you know I've never been a coordinator before, and those guys who haven't been coordinators before. How do you know when to call what and what to, I mean, is it all just, you're going back to your, your, your trusting your film study from that week and what you saw, um, you're, you know, sticking with your game plan. So how do you know when to make the call, the right calls or, or that sort of thing? It comes down to the study side of it, but, but as a coordinator, you, you've put so much into preparing for that game, you start to get a feel for it. And a lot of times, as the game starts going on, I won't even go back to my call sheet anymore. If I get in that second, third series, I have a feel for it, and this is where we're going. And, and some of it has to do with us communicating with our kids between series. I think we do a great job of that. What are they saying? What are they, what are they doing? Our kids communicate with us, and we talk as a staff, and we make little adjustments from there. Hey, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. Uh, but when it comes down to calling a game, I think a lot of it has to do with feel of the game, but I think you have to be prepared to get that feeling. You cannot not prepare and just roll out there and start calling things. Yeah. You, you've got to be prepared as much as you can on, on those down the distance or formations or whatever that you're basing your stuff on. And then as the game comes in, start, start mentally saying, this is what they're lined up in right now. This is who they're trying to get the ball to, or this is what they're doing. And then so then you start thinking, okay, so this is what I can call for that. This is what I can call for that. Or make the adjustments with some of your checks that you have in or some or things like that uh, to help. But by that third or fourth series, by the, you know, the middle of the second quarter, we generally have a good feel for what we're doing. And I feel really good as calling it where we're at. Now, we've gone in there and just and, and made some adjustments. And, and it has been, you know, a little shaky in the middle of the third quarter. But by the third quarter, I feel better. That doesn't mean that we're winning. I just feel like we have a good feel for what's going on and we just need to start making some plays or just keep yeah. playing or whatever that situation can come about. When, when you've put in all that work into a game plan um, and, and then they come out and like you mentioned, and we talked about this team that we played uh, last year that was doing something completely different. When do you know that, okay, or, or when I guess do you get to that point where you have to make the decision of, okay, it's either time to scrap the game plan and throw that thing in the trash or we just got to weather the storm because, yeah, they've hit us on a couple fade balls that, you know, whatever. They hit us mm -hmm. on some bullcrap stuff. We don't need to freak out. So how do you know when to scrap the game plan and, and go with something else or just weather the storm and ride it out? That's a great question. And I'm going to tell you that is a huge part of being a coordinator because I promise you when things aren't going good, your kids are looking at you for answers. And I, every assistant coach understands they're going to come and say, hey, this is what we need to be doing. This is what we need to be doing. And you know as well as I do, y'all have come to me and I said, we're not doing that. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And we're going to stick with it. And I guess for me, what, it's a feel. Yeah. I feel like we're going to be okay. We need to weather the storm. And you guys may not and our kids may not. And that's up to the coordinator to communicate to the coaches. This is what we're going to do. And you guys got to go sell it to the kids once yeah. again during those series series adjustments. And we may make a little tweak here and there, but there's also times where I start to feel like our eyes aren't right or there's some things they're doing that where we're looking and what we're keying is not correct. And so we may weather the storm for a little while, but it comes down to when I start to feel like our eyes aren't right 
or our fits aren't right. We're doing exactly what we're supposed to, and it's still not right. We're getting outnumbered, outleveraged. They know where our forces are, any of that stuff. Then I start to say, we're scrapping it. What can we do? And we come together and start thinking, what what are some things that we can do? And and as the as the game goes on, that's a constant adjustment. But as a coordinator, there is pressure when things aren't going right. Every coach has the answer. Every kid has the answer. And you've got to under, you've got to trust yourself and your gut and say, let's change it, or we're going to stick to it. You watch, things are going to work out. Just relax, and let's focus on the the things that we need to focus on. And sometimes it's just about making plays. And sometimes they the, they just make plays. Yeah. And you just can't. You just got to keep fighting. And, yeah. and, and and so on that. So that is a great question. And there's no true answer to that. It's a feel thing, and it's a, all of a sudden you're outnumbered, outleveraged, or my eyes aren't right. They're, they're, the kids' eyes aren't right, or they totally have us, and we got to make a change. If I feel like they got lucky or one kid made a mistake here or there, and, and we'll get that fixed, and we'll go from there. But that's a great question. Yeah, I, one thing I think you've always done a great job of is, you know, and I'm, I gotta imagine this can be really frustrating that you have kids coming up to you and coaches coming up to you telling you what they're seeing and what's what the guys in the box are telling them and hey we need to do this 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 and this to be able to say all right everybody shut up <laughs> and 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 listen and but but also again to go back I think you've done a great job of I, I may come to you and say hey I think we should do this and you go okay let's try that this series go tell your guys or sometimes it's no we're not gonna do that and this because of this this and this. And so I feel like you've done a good job of being, really being both. That sometimes if you think you know, you're open to it, it's not like, hey, this is my defense, my game plan. Shut up and just go, you know, mm-hmm. make sure we don't miss any more sacks. Yeah. Um, but then there's even been times where we've had we've had really smart kids here who've told us stuff like, hey, what about this or this? And and I think that sometimes coaches can let their egos get in the way, like shut up, kid. You just go do what I tell you. Mm-hmm. But I think we've I can I know well, there's one game for a fact where one of our defensive ends came to us and said, hey, we need to make this adjustment. And I said, no, that's, that's you know, no, we're not doing that. And then I started thinking about it. I was, man, he's actually, that's a great point. And we ended up doing that, and that, that, that really helped us out. So I think you do a great job of that. Well, we're kind of getting into this now. Um, looking back on the time that we've had here, uh, you know, the six years we've had together, you know, there have been some, we've had some wild games We've had some funny moments on the sideline. We've had some funny football-related moments and some unrelated to, to football. So what are some of your uh, memorable moments, whether it be games or otherwise, from the last six years here? Well, I mean, I remember one time we were playing Bernie Champion, and, it's, and that's, and that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, a, a rivalry game as is, and, and they yeah. had a good quarterback, and we kept missing sacks, and I just yelled at you and Coach Russ, if if you if we miss another sack, you guys are fired. <laughs> and Coach Russ, this was a, the Coach Russ kind of turned around, looks at me, and says, "Well, you coach tackling too." <laughs> and so I kind of looked at him, and I was like, "You're right." And so we kind of laughed it off when it came to that. You know, and uh, there was another game where we had a young defensive lineman. We're playing the the slot T, and, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so we're, we're and we have and, and I don't want to get too much into this, but we know where we put kids in when we put kids in. We throw that kid in there to give them, throw them a bone. It's the last game of the season, yep. and and uh, and uh, it's right before half, so we just oh, throw yeah. him in there, and he gets in there against the slot T and gives the best pass rush he's ever <laughs> yeah. given. 
<laughs> he gets out there and he sacks the quarterback, but they ran 232 or 332, and yeah. they ran some trap, and our yeah. safety tackles the kid on the five-yard line. He ran 70 yards and yeah. tackled him, and the half was out. And I just remember yelling at you two guys, who put that kid in there? Yeah. And you were guys were trying to justify it, saying, you know, you know when when we put those guys in there, so on and so forth, and and uh, it, it, if we laugh at it now, and I think as 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 we've been together so long, the first couple of years, you know, when I and I get intense and I and I yell, but it's not like it's not a reflection on yeah. you, yeah. and I, and you guys got to the point where y'all would laugh at the stuff that I'm yelling at y'all or yeah. saying to y'all. You yeah. know, and and kind of rolling your eyes at me like, okay, he's gonna come back in ten minutes and apologize to yeah. us. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that or whatever. And it's it's laughable when you think about some of that stuff. Yeah. And, and we've had some great times at, at game planning on Saturday and Sunday. We got a little routine we do. Uh, you know, at four o'clock. You know, we're yeah, gonna take a mental break Sunday, and we're gonna yeah. sing to each other. And uh, and we do some things. It's been an, an amazing experience. Uh, when it comes to those things, we have a lot of laughable things, you know, we're talking about, you know, from the janitors here to to all kinds of things that, that go on that we've had a great time just, just working together. Yeah, well, usually you're able to find those guys on the sideline, um, whether it be the chain crew guys or maybe an official that, that we can uh, poke a little fun at or the kid on the end of the bench. Yep. Uh, X-frame dude. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, those guys that, that uh, are just, you know, hey, it's just a way to break up the monotony of watching film. That's right. Okay? And, and as most of you uh, guys listen to this, if, you know, you, you, when you, especially when you get late in the season and you're watching another, it's, it's the fourth game of the day you've watched and your eyeballs are falling out of your head, you'll do anything to keep yourself sane, and, and we were no different. You know, I go back to uh, we were talking about making adjustments, uh, just a few games that I wrote down that I'll go through them really fast. Uh, Buda Hayes from 2013. Uh, we were playing those guys over there. We had to win to, to stay in the playoff hunt. And um, that was when I put this down. I got fired for the first time on the sideline. Um, and that was when we had a defensive end covering a flex tight, a, a flex tight end, man. That's and right. And that was one of those things. It was like, are we really doing this? Yeah, we're really doing this. Okay, let's go. And we ended up winning that game. And then uh, the next year, 2014, was the year we went to the state quarterfinals. And we really had a young – that was a really rewarding year because – our defense was super young, um, and the first three games of that year, you know, you had Big Spring where we lost to them. On the last play. The last controversial play, the kid didn't catch the ball. Look it up on YouTube. It bounced off the turf and it into his hands on a last-second Hail Mary, and he holds the ball up, and the officials call it a touchdown. And uh, anyway, we lost that game, and then we go next week, and Kyle Allen comes here, Corpus Christi Kyle Allen. And we ended up beating those guys in the last with with an interception in the last drive of the game, and then the next week we go to Floresville, who had a quarterback who just made us look stupid. We did. And um, but we ended up winning that game also. And that, but I I think I lived ten years in those three games. I mean, it was just a a wild season. And then the, the next year was the year we went undefeated during the regular season, and we're ranked like in the top five and 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 four A, and we played as it as it happened. For, for at least four of the years I was here, mm-hmm. we played Cedar Park in the second round. And uh, we lost the game, but 
we had a really great game plan. I, I think that was one of our best game plans. We did. We had them. We had them absolutely pegged, and and when we our kids got after, and they had to do some crazy things to to score points on us. It was not what they wanted to do. They were number one in the state in that year. Yeah. And uh, and and they went on to win the whole thing that year as well. But we had them. We had them pegged, and our kids knew it. And we kind of threw an interception there right before half that they returned for a touchdown, and it just kind of broke the – popped that balloon of hope for us. And, and we we fought and, and, and got after it. And we played with a freshman corner and a receiver at corner that hadn't hardly played because of some injuries and some personal issues that we had to deal with, the weather, the storm. Yeah. And they found them finally. Yeah. But it took yeah. a while, and we had a heck of a plan for those guys, and our kids knew exactly what was coming yeah. against those guys that year. Yeah, and then uh, another one, uh, you know, Alamo Heights, we, we talked about Bernie Champion being a rivalry. Alamo Heights is a huge rivalry with us, and they came over here in 2017. And it seems like every year with them has just been it's, it's some kind of wild, crazy game. Obviously, this past year in 2018, we beat them in, in triple overtime. Uh, but that year in 2017, we just – it was just an old country boy butt whipping. They came over here and we made them quit. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. We had five turnovers the first half, I think seven in the whole game, and we converted on most of those, and those guys were just totally shell-shocked. Our kids came to play. The ball bounced our way that night, and it was a great yeah. night. It was a really good game plan, and that is uncommon for us versus Heights. We, we've been in a 70 to 50-something yeah. shootout. Yeah. We've been in a triple overtime game. We beat them in 2013 for the first time yeah, in, in over years. 10 years, yeah. Yeah. and that was a heck of a, a, a ball game. came down to the last drive. I mean, it is usually down to the very last drive or two in that ball game, and that year it came in and we just laid it on them. Yeah. Well, and then this past season, um, you know, Bernie Champion was earlier in the year, and we knew that was probably going to be the district championship. And that was the the week uh, that I won't get into this too much, but our head coach got sick and was not gonna, able to be at practice uh, all week and not at the game. Right, he was in the press box, but not able to 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 have an impact as a coach on that game. And so you had to step up and and kind of be the be the man that that week. And um, I, just the emotion of that game, and then it came down to um, those last few drives and. And we had some kids step up, and we had an offensive kid, our, our quarterback, who was playing quarterback, you know, get pick up a third down, actually two third downs yep. that, that we had to have. And that was just a, a – to me, and I can't believe we've gone this long without mentioning this phrase, but that was Tyvee fight never dies in, in a, you know, right there on the personified on the field. And, and we could have a whole podcast episode talking about TF&D and how we've seen that over the years. And then finally from this past season – you know, our first round playoff game wasn't supposed to be a memorable game. We we're playing the fourth place team out of the Austin area. It was Bastrop, and we were down. Was it 19 points with four minutes left? 21 that, points, points. Six minutes left. Six minutes left. Okay. And uh, I, I remember. I'm thinking. I cannot. This is. This is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever been a part. We're of. at home. Yeah, we're home at playoff home. game. Um, and and about to lose this game, and we come back and win it. Uh, in overtime, uh, when when our Sam linebacker comes up and makes a tackle, they go for two. They do. They go and, for the uh, win. Caden Villarreal, shout out, baby, uh, made the stop right there on the uh, on the one yard line, and we and we won that game. And so that was awesome. 
And I remember coming, you know, us, we went in the locker room and, and danced with the kids and stuff after that. And, mm-hmm. But I, I think what I'll always remember is our meeting, our defensive staff meeting that Sunday afterwards. And uh, I walked in, I got to work that day, and it was just a different atmosphere. Uh, it was, uh, you could just walk in and feel the atmosphere was different. And I think we decided we weren't going to, we let some things slip and we weren't going to let let that happen again. That's exactly right. And I think as we went through the season, we'd been pretty successful, you know, and we'd kind of felt good about what we were doing, but we got away from our standards. Yeah. Whenever, before y'all got here, I wrote our stuff on the board, yeah. what we're about. I made three little mental notes up there for our kids on the bottom of the board. For the rest of the year, we're going to wreck shop. We're going to create chaos and wreak havoc on whoever we're playing. On that point, on the left, right side of the board, we listed the standards. We brought the kids in on Monday morning. We didn't, we didn't tell them a game plan one. We, told, we, we, we reiterated who we are, what we're about, and, and this is what we're doing. We're not going to go back to that stuff anymore. And our kids took, took, you know, took that to heart. They took, took accountability to that, and they came, we came out against Southside and dominated them. Yeah. Absolutely dominate them and played an amazing game. We put together a heck of a game plan against those guys, and, and we flat got after it and had a great run at the, after that. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was that was awesome. And and I, I again, that was just a great lesson for me as a coach to pick up on. Uh, sort of a gut check for us. You know, we we escaped and 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 we didn't squander that opportunity that we had. Okay, well we've. Uh, we could keep on talking, um, but we're, we're, we're way over our time, which I don't care. Uh, I usually try to keep it at an hour. We're over that, but who cares? We're, we, we got some good stuff going. And, uh, but I do want to close up with a few, with a few questions, a few kind of rapid-fire questions. And I'm going to go in different order than, the one, than, than the, what I sent you. But let's first talk about, we've been talking about high school football. Tell me the best high school football player you've seen in person. In person, as a player, Shad Williams. Who, uh, when I was a player, he played at Andrews High School. He broke the state rushing record against us. I know that's a real great thing to talk about. Uh, but he went on to play at Texas Tech. Was the Big Twelve Freshman Player of the Year. Um, they they let go of Spike Dykes and brought in uh, Mike Leach, and he transferred to Alabama. And he goes and plays at Alabama. He ends up going and plays four or five years in the NFL. Goes on to play uh, in Canada after that. And just an amazing athlete, an amazing athlete. Uh, growing up, I saw him play for a long time. He's now a strength coach at University of Oregon. Oh, wow. You know that he he was one of the ones that did yeah. the the arm day going yeah. into the season. Yeah, yeah. And as a as a coach was Russell Shepard at Cy Ridge. Uh, you know Sam McGuffey w- was something to watch over there at Cy Fair, but Russell Shepard was could put on a clinic. He was the number one football player in the country that year. And he was extremely hard to stop. You could do everything right, and it didn't matter. Russell Shepard was a heck of a football player. All right. Uh, next question is about weight room. If 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 you don't know, Coach Hickman is is jacked. There's no other way of saying it. He works out uh, religiously and takes it seriously. When I first got here, um, you know, I didn't have kids, and so I'd come up and work out a lot, and and still do. And that's all of a tribute to him. But I was over there doing some sort of like probably. Something a workout that I got from my wife, like some sort of CrossFit deal. And he walked over and he goes, "Hey, dude, why don't you come work out with me and get ripped up?" <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And so I started working out, and and uh, 
really for the next couple of years, uh, we, we'd get up here in the morning, uh, me and him and, and Coach G, when he got on board, and uh, we'd work out, all work out together. And uh, so I want to know your best workout advice, what you got. Well, uh, you know, as we get older, we don't need to be lifting these heavy weights and doing things. We'll, we'll challenge ourselves every once in a while. Yeah. You know, one week we're going to squat heavy. And then for the next 10, we may not, yeah. you know. Uh, but for me, I guess the biggest advice for us coaches is I do think you need to work out. I do think you need to try to look the part and show the kids. The kids come in every day seeing us work out. They yeah. come in every day and see us work out. I think that's part of, of, of helps us kind of build trust with those guys and, and we're in the boat with them, my attitude. Yeah. But the biggest advice I can give you is reps, reps, time under tension. And you can, you can, you can make a lot of gains. And, and, and or, or, you know, help your physique out with learning to just do a lot of reps and time under tension. Like right now, today on squats, I did a set of 30, a set of 25, a set of 20, 15, 10. Towards the end of my workout, no, that's not heavy weight. That's just trying to, to, to just keep time under tension and, and create some sense of hypertrophy the older we get. Okay, this last one now, this is the key question here, okay? You and I are both Cowboys fans. Usually on Sundays, we pull the game up on our phone and listen to it while we're game planning. Or sometimes we had, we had a TV in our, our, our defensive film room. We turn it on, uh, on the TV, kind of the background. Is this the year the Cowboys get over the hump and they represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? I'm not even asking if they're going to win it. I'm not even going to ask that. But is this the year they get to the Super Bowl? I think this is the year. I think this is a year. I'm a huge Rod Marinelli fan. And and if you guys know anything or, or follow him, you talk about her just a relentless coach. And so I'm rooting for him and Chris Richard, those guys. He's brought a whole new attitude to, to those guys. And I think defensively, they they have the what it takes to get to the Super Bowl. And obviously as a defensive coach, I think that's what wins. They do gotta score points. They got some cats over there that can. So uh, you know, this ha- they have the potential to get there. I've been a Cowboys fan for too long to not just just to not get my hopes just up too much, but I do have a little bit of of excitement when it comes to that. But you know, they may find a way to screw it up as always. <laughs> well, there you go. Hey, you heard it here first. Cowboys going to the Super Bowl, baby. Go ahead and buy your tickets. Mm-hmm. All right, Jeremy. Well, that's uh, that's going to do it for us. I want to thank you so much for for sitting down and talking with me and. I can't uh, even begin to express how much these this last six years has meant, and and how uh, much of an example and, and influence you've had on me as a coach. And I know that those are the things we've talked about are, are things that I'll never forget. And the experiences I've had here are are, are things that I will, will always cherish and never forget. So thanks so much for for taking me under your wing and and really helping me out and and having such a great impact on me. Yeah, I thank you so much for having me here. Again, you've been a huge impact on me as well. You've become truly one of my friends, and we've had a lot of conversations and uh, that are just personal things that we've kind of gone through back and forth, and, and it's always good to have that guy that you know I can just say something to, and you know I'm not really wanting anything. I just want you to hear me, and so you've been there for me, and it's going to be you know, Pleasant Grove got a heck of a coach, and, and they, hit the, they hit the jackpot when they got you, and it hurts us to lose you. And uh, I'm going to miss you. But you're doing some great things here, and I am super humbled to be on this show.
Really appreciate Coach Hickman sitting down and talking with me and, and know that the Blue Swarm defense here at Tybee is in great hands with him leading those guys up. Make sure you follow Coach Hickman on Twitter at Coach Boss Hog. That's Coach Boss H A W G at Coach Boss Hog. And check out his other contact information in the show notes of this episode. Our quote of the day is one Coach Hickman sent me earlier in the week, and I really like it because it fits perfectly with our philosophy on practice here at Tyvee. And this quote today is from Navy SEAL, ultra marathon runner, author, and just all around bad dude, David Goggins. And he says, People take classes on self help mental toughness, breathing control. The only way to get tougher is to put yourself in hellacious situations. That does it for us today. Before I go, I want to make sure I give a shout out to the city of Kerrville and the Tyvee family for making my time here so memorable and for making it such a joy to come to work every day. The staff, administration, and the kids that we have here are awesome, and I'm really going to miss being a Tyvee antler. Yeah, that's right. Tyvee antlers. Don't hate. Anyway, as we wrap up, I want to make sure you remember two things. First, Tyvee fight never dies, baby. And secondly, you better keep your pads down. <laughs>